all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, the show all about finding and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. I'm Dr. Debbie Miner, Professor and Vice Chair of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today I'm very excited that I'm going to be joined by some of my pharmacist friends. And we're going to be talking about supplements. What you need to know about supplements. How do you, what you need to know before you purchase a supplement and the things that you need to consider before taking a supplement and the things that you need to make sure and always talk to your healthcare provider about if you are taking a supplement. So please join us. We'd love to hear your comments or any questions that you may have or any experiences that you'd love to share with us. Give us a call by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send us an email to healthyatmpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit from MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with you right after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The presidential candidates are revisiting Ohio, North Carolina, Florida, and a few other states that could help determine the outcome of the election. Donald Trump is in Sarasota. Hillary Clinton campaigns in Pittsburgh soon. Ohio Democrats are asking the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene in their lawsuit over alleged voter intimidation in their state, where polls have so far given Donald Trump a slight edge over Hillary Clinton. They say that after Trump called on his supporters to act as polling site observers because of a possibility of voter fraud, they fear Trump backers will take to harassing the opposition. The Department of Justice is sending out roughly 500 people across more than half the country to enforce federal voting rights laws. NPR's Pam Fessler says the number of monitors being deployed this time around is about two-thirds in number the DOJ dispatched ahead of the 2012 election. The federal government says it will deploy monitors to 67 jurisdictions in 28 states, including North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Florida. They'll be watching to see, among other things, if voters are discriminated against due to race or language. The number of places being monitored is greater than in 2012, but there's a key difference. Fewer DOJ personnel will be inside polling places as official observers who can stop voting problems as they occur. Instead, most will be watching the polls from outside, the result of a 2013 Supreme Court decision striking down a key portion of the Voting Rights Act. The agency says most voters will see little difference. Pam Fessler, NPR News, Washington. Former Attorney General Janet Reno is being warmly remembered by her successors at the Justice Department. NPR's Scott Horsley reports Reno died this morning at the age of 78. Attorney General Loretta Lynch praised Reno as one of the Justice Department's most effective, decisive, and well-respected leaders. Reno led the department throughout the Clinton administration, a tenure that was marked by the Oklahoma City bombing, an attack on the World Trade Center, and various investigations into the administration itself. Lynch says Reno was guided by a simple test of the law and the facts, unswayed by the political winds. She also called the first female attorney general a trailblazer and an inspiration for many women who followed Reno into government and law enforcement. 
Former Attorney General Eric Holder, who worked under Reno, also praised his late boss as a compassionate leader who cared deeply about the neglected. Scott Horsley, NPR News, Washington. Residents in north-central Oklahoma are assessing damage from a 5.0 magnitude earthquake that struck last night. Cushing City Manager Steve Spears is quoted saying that 40 to 50 buildings have sustained substantial damage. People are being kept out of the worst-hit area until crews can examine the damage. There were no immediate reports of injuries from the quake. The Dow is up 339. This is NPR. Chinese government is blocking two newly elected lawmakers from taking office in Hong Kong. NPR's Rob Schmitz has the latest. Well, this means that two young democratically elected lawmakers will be barred from taking office in Hong Kong's legislature because they didn't swear allegiance to Beijing when they took their oaths of office. This is the first time Beijing has interfered in Hong Kong's government like this, and it's already prompted thousands of people to protest. Today's rare decision by Beijing to bar these two legislators will likely increase tension in the city. That's NPR's Rob Schmitz reporting. The Philadelphia transit strike seems to be over. There is now limited service beginning, and Jim Sachs of member station WHYY reports the tentative contract comes just in time to restore full service for Election Day. After negotiating through the night, bleary-eyed officials from Philadelphia's Transit Authority and its largest union announced a deal ending the strike. The agreement came just hours before a judge was set to hear arguments from the Transit Authority to enjoin the strike during the election. Officials here worried that the brutal commutes caused by the strike might keep voters from the polls. But Union President Willie Brown says the Election Day drama wasn't a factor during the settlement talks. One thing about me, when I'm in negotiations, I don't read the newspaper, I don't watch TV, I don't watch any of that type of stuff. I guess you can say I did have blinders. I didn't pay any attention. I knew about it, but I didn't pay, you know, put any stock. Transit services in Philadelphia should be fully restored by the end of the day. For NPR News, I'm Jim Saxa in Philadelphia. All major market indices are up roughly 2%, Dow gaining 341 points. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Stitch Fix, a personal style service for men and women tailored to fit a customer's taste, budget, and lifestyle. Clothing is hand-selected by a personal stylist and delivered to the customer's door at stitchfix.com. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner, and today I'm here with Ansley again, Ansley Dutcher, and welcome back, Anna Blair Brown. Hello. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about supplements and what you need to think about, what you need to think about before you purchase a supplement, uh, things that you need to consider in relation to 
efficacy, uh, how to select one over another, uh, potential drug interactions, what to communicate with your health care provider, and then what's the potential value of certain types of things. I think I, I know I for sure want to talk about fish oil, uh, one of my favorite products, and we'll talk about some other things too. So we are thrilled to be here, and we're glad to take your questions. It looks like we've already got a caller on the line, so we'll go to Sarah and Tupelo pretty quick here. So let's give out that call phone number first, though, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Or send us an email to healthy at Good morning, Sarah. Morning. Thank you for holding. Last week, the doctor was talking about uh, sun damage and sunscreen. Yes, Dr. Kimberly Ward was with us. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and she mentioned a supplement that helped prevent... Uh, sunburn, and I couldn't get the name of it. I think she even tried to spell it, and my reception was not good. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Mm, Ansley, do you remember? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I have it pulled up. I may have to to re-listen to that show or or contact Dr. Ward. It's definitely a hard word to pronounce. Oh, my. It's polypodium leukotomos. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. And it's an antioxidant. And so tell us, why don't you spell that for us? Okay, P-O-L-Y-P-O-D-I-U-M, and then Leucotomos, L-E-U-C-O-T-O-M-O-S. I'm not sure if I'm even saying that right. But okay, and so what is it and what is it reported to do? It supposedly protects the skin from oxidative damage caused by sun exposure. And it's kind of new, I think studies are being done on it, but it, Apparently only protects an SPF of three to five. Oh, it seems like she was saying something about that. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I do. Now that you mentioned again, I do remember her talking about it. But um, yeah, the recommended SPF is 30 or higher, and it only gives about three to five, according to this article I'm looking at. Okay. And and do you have to take it continuously? Um, Let me see. It's not giving me a lot of information. I don't think it's. Since it's so newly, this article I'm looking at. Okay. I'm not okay. sure how you would take it, but apparently it's an antioxidant, and you can take it orally, obviously. Okay, we might have to get back with Dr. Ward and yeah. uh, ask her about that again and uh, put that up on our website, and for sure I'll mention it next week on the show. So thank you for calling and bringing that up, though, because uh, that, I, I remember her mentioning that, and I meant to really go back and look into that a little bit more closely. Good morning, Timothy. Good morning, y'all. How y'all doing today? We're fine. How are you? Oh, grooving right along. Well, good. I don't know if y'all, I heard it on MPB last week, uh, A uh, something from JAMA about the uh, ineffectiveness of the um, the cranberry pills. Yes. Did you hear that? I did hear that. Yeah. You know, I think that may be true, but I've got to say that I have had wonderful success over the years. Every time I have the least bit of bladder problem, just to do some straight cranberry juice and, you know, fix it up in no time at all. Well, I think that study you're referring to, they specifically, it was in a nursing home population, if I, yep. if I recall. And, yep. um, My mother had a catheter that we, you know, and would and it always, we didn't do the pills, we did the, the uh, straight cranberry juice, no sweeteners or anything like that, you know? Yeah, 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 no and, sweeteners. You don't need that extra sugar for sure. And, you know, and 
dealing with that with her, I learned to do it to myself if I've got the least bit of bladder problem. And I found it works great. Well, I think, you know, that's an individual response once again. And I think that study was specifically looking at because because um, urinary tract infections are, are so common and right. so commonly diagnosed in nursing home residents. And so the purpose of that study was going back and looking at older women residing in nursing homes and giving them cranberry capsules um, over the course of a year compared to placebo or not, and then looking at the difference of urinary tract infections, yes or no. And basically what they found was that it didn't offer any advantage in that particular situation. Uh So, so, you know, an individual person, people are always different, each individual, and so you may have some benefits where this is a more of a, a randomized, systematic way of looking at things. So overall, they found no benefit. Now, that's not to well, say you as an individual might not have a benefit. Odd. Well, I think I, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because we planned on mentioning that at some point in the show. So thank you for bringing that up. All uh, right. And I, 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 you know, I also had gout like two years ago. Yeah. And, you know, it surprised the heck out of me because I don't live anything like Jeeves, you know. <laughs> and, and um, you know, I just had some very good, I had two deer meat hamburgers one day. And the response was, oh, they were big, okay. Okay. <laughs> so you're making me hungry. <laughs> well, you know, when somebody puts food in front of you, it's impolite not to eat it. You know? <laughs> you know? But anyhow, I, I, I woke up in pain. I went to the uh, Internet and, and put in my symptoms and, you know, on the people's pharmacy. And it says, you know, pomegranate and... Um, tart cherry juice i went to the market got both and before i got back home i I mean i drank it right in the parking lot you know like a cup of each before i got home the pain was gone and now i just add it to my regular diet figuring that my you know uric acid uh, you know is part of aging i think too you know well uh there actually were new gout guidelines just revisited so we're going to have a show i think i've got it scheduled made for january about looking at gout uh uh-huh. so please stay tuned in for that so we'll be going uh, into those new gout guidelines gouch. Uh, the gouch <laughs> i know got the gouch i know i've heard that <laughs> well, have a groovy day and keep it up i enjoy yeah. your programming uh, you know uh, the mpb is much better than Louisiana public radio oh <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you. We appreciate that compliment. We like being here. Thank you. You have a good day. Good morning, Larry. How are you doing? Hazelhurst. Manufacturers or companies, uh, some of them will say that their product is evidence-based. They have some clinical studies behind it. And one such company, and a lot of that... uh, makes uh, aloe vera in concentrated form, and if you ask your vet if they know what Ace Bandit is, they'll tell them, yes, it's a site-specific uh, aloe vera injection uh, for small animals. If you inject it into the tumor, uh, that you can only get through a small animal. It does something to the tumor, but it activates the immune system around it that will dissolve the, the tumor. Now, who puts this out? It's Dr. Clinton Howard who had founded uh, what's now Baylor Medical Center, DFW, and uh, he got, had a company that is now called Lab 
go out, believe it is, or corn labs that go around and pick up samples and have them tested. So he's a real Johns Hopkins scientist. And uh, he spent $20 million to isolate the active ingredients in uh, aloe vera because his mother certainly had proved that aloe vera helps with burns and so forth. And the FDA approved it, and it's called Ace Manning. But you can also buy aloe manning, which is for the human beings. And uh, it is does the, the, the good things for the immune system. We don't have any clinical studies that it will cure cancer in human beings. But it certainly does in small animals. And he also has an antioxidant that uh, is based on the hydrogen uh, they inject a loosely bound negative ion into the hydrogen molecule, and uh, it becomes a, uh, an antioxidant to destroy free radicals. And it is the first patented uh, nanoceutical. It's called microhydrate. So uh, there are some things that are scientifically uh, proven, uh, and others are very highly questionable. Oh, I think that's a great point. That is a wonderful point. Well, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. And I think, you know, aloe vera is one of those one of those plants. We've got lots and lots of supplements as well as prescription drugs that are plant-based, uh, derived from plants. And so aloe vera is one of those things that I think is a pretty plant. Plus, it's definitely got all kinds of uses that we have found over and over throughout the year. So, so those are good points. And we're going to be we're going to be talking about exactly what you mentioned. We're going to be talking about some of the ways to find out whether something uh, is really supported by the claims that they they bring up the claims when you say evidence-based what does that mean and where you can go to get good information and how do you know if something has really been tested in such a way that that uh you of course want to make sure it's safe for starters and then as far as efficacy and how you how you discern that with supplements which is a little bit different playing field than uh like what we call over-the-counter products or prescription drugs so i hear my music playing which means we need to take a quick break please join us we'd love to hear from you we're talking about supplements today so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. we'll be back with you right after this quick break for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Forget election fatigue. E.J. Johnson is excited. This is one of the most thrilling heart racing things I've ever done. Her fifth grade class is urging college students to register to vote. It's torture to know that so many people worked so hard to get that right to vote, and people aren't voting. I'm Audie Cornish. Civics, later on All Things Considered, from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. Listen to stories and shows. Go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. 
That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner, and today we are talking about supplements. I've got my pharmacy friends here with me, and we are going to go into, hopefully delve into those, some of the issues related to supplements, and then we've already mentioned aloe vera and and a couple of other things, and going from there, we got to get a little bit more information about that anti-aging, too, that Dr. Ward, the supplement that Dr. Ward mentioned, because... We might need to start taking that one. <laughs> but we've got a caller on the line, and I think I might know who this is. Good morning. Is this Dr. Dr. Thomas Webb? Hey, Dr. Miner. <laughs> good morning. How well, are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me join you and your callers. Oh, good. Now tell us where you are. Uh, so currently I am in... Hampton, Virginia. I'm a I'm a pharmacist here at the Hampton VA Medical Center, but I'll always call it Mississippi home. I'm from Philadelphia, Mississippi, and graduated Ole Miss School of Pharmacy back in 2014. Well, it's good to hear from you, and of course, I know that you've had a, a some personal interest in supplements and how they fit into the kinds of patients that you see how their use fits into part of their medication regimen and then and then also some of the issues related to supplements so i know that's been somewhat of a personal interest of yours too yes so um after graduating pharmacy school i pursued residency training in pain management and palliative care so helping manage medications for patients with life-limiting illness or soul pain issues and um Use of supplements definitely come up in our line of practice with pain and palliative care. Um, there's a lot that could be said uh, about those. Um, and I can speak to some um, uh, medications that are familiar, in, in, especially in palliative care. But if, it, if it's okay, could, could we talk a little bit about um, just the concept of you know, herbal supplements and how they fit in with conventional medicine. Of course, okay? yes, yes. Yeah. And so Ansley and Anna Blair will chime in here and yeah. we'll go into this. Of course, I've seen uh, many things over the years mm-hmm. and anybody that's been around me for very long know that I'm all about anything that we can do to prevent disease. And so mm-hmm. whether that's healthy eating, exercise, certain mm-hmm. kinds of supplements, those kinds of things. Yeah. But then anybody also knows I'm very, very cautious about putting anything into your body unless you know exactly what it is. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, so, so I'm yeah, extremely I cautious about those things. Right. So, um, you know, as far as herbal supplements, you know, they can be considered in, to fall under the umbrella of complementary and alternative care in relation to conventional medication, you know, with say conventional, we're talking about FDA approved products and, um, and there are absolutely uh, situations where I, I, I think that supplements can be useful um, as complementary, maybe alternative medications. Um, and, and there's a lot that goes under that umbrella, not just pills to be taken. Of course. Um, but as far as, so, I'll, but I won't, I won't go into that. Um, I'm sure that'll be covered later on. But um, as far as palliative care, one medication that definitely comes up um, is Cina or Cinecot. That's mm-hmm. a medication yeah. that is used 
applied and is actually recommended by certain guidelines to help with constipation that's caused by chronic use of certain pain medications such as morphine. Yeah, the opioids. Those are pre- prescribed mm-hmm. with patients for patients with cancer pain primarily um, because with use of those pain medications, constipation will always be a problem. Um, so Senna's used very much, and it's, it's generally safe. Um, it's uh, usually dosed once or twice a day. Um, and can help to relieve, to counter the effects of those pain pills that cause constipation. Um, so that's that's an example of a medication that's generally, I would say, a, a lot of by a lot of different providers is accepted as as good care. Um, and there's several others. Uh, um, and I guess I, I do want to spend some time talking about medications or talking about herbal supplements and how they relate to medication use. Um, you know. In some ways, they're different, and in other ways, they're, they should be considered the same. Um, uh, herbal supplements um, um, can, for one, be a problem on their own. Some, some supplements, such as kava, has been used historically to help with anxiety and um, maybe lower cholesterol, a lot of different claims. But um, it's been shown to be toxic to the, toxic to the liver. So um, that's one that's generally recommended to not be used, um, but it's still available on the market. So uh, I encourage re- the listeners to be careful of that. And there's others that fit into that as well, like bitter orange. Um, but there's also some that may be okay to be taken on their own um, that can interact with other medications. And oftentimes when, pe- when, when people go to the store to look at herbal supplements, there's a good chance they might already be on other medications. So it's good to just be wary of that. Um, because drug interactions can lead to even more problems. Um, and again, getting back to the uh, risk versus benefit of these um, types of agents, uh, they don't really have to live up to the same standards as FDA-approved medications. They don't have to go through the same um, types of trials before being brought to market. They don't have to show safety and efficacy uh, to be sold as herbal supplements. So those, are, I think, are some important takeaways about these about these types of um, interventions uh, for for people who are interested in taking. They should always consider that um, before purchasing, before using. Well, and I think too, you know, that's a good point because uh, when we talk about supplements, we're not talking about medications that have gone mm. through. Uh, trials what we call evidence-based trials of efficacy Mm -hmm. safety and efficacy actually Mm -hmm. safety and efficacy as far as as trials much of the information that we have is from uh reports of anecdotal experience or just widespread use over populations over time they aren't Mm -hmm. they aren't held to that and they cannot they cannot state that they are effective like like for example i know from reviews of the literature and all that fish oil Garlic, vitamin C, coenzyme Q10 are all mm-hmm. effective right. uh, in helping lower blood pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas some other things, like you mentioned, I think you mentioned um, bitter orange or ginseng, that there's mm-hmm. actually evidence of harm. But that's mm-hmm. from limited trials, and right. it's from compiling information over uh, a, a very different manner than um, than what we would look at for like approval. At the 
Food and Drug Administration approval of like a medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. It's a completely different process coming to market. Yeah, it's it's very, very different. It's very different as far as how things get to market and then the kinds of things that you need to think about. I think right. one thing that kind of sums it up is a prescription or over-the-counter product. Um, when it's being made and, you know, the manufacturers are hoping to bring it to market, it's known as being unsafe until the trials that it goes through have proven it safe. Whereas mm-hmm. these herbal supplements and everything are just assumed to be safe until something happens that shows that they may be unsafe. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, yeah, and, and, yeah. and the one of the one of the main ways or one of the main trials herbal supplements have to go through is basically people calling in saying it's causing problems. That's that, right. That was the issue mm-hmm. with the federal years ago. People exactly. were calling in with awful side effects, such as heart attacks and uh, cardiovascular outcomes. So that's not really the best trial that we want (laughs) to utilize to figure out something safe or not. Well, and I think you bring up uh, another point, too, um, that, well, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, actually, but but the the once again, the safety, it has to do with the purity of what in your what you're getting in something, because prescription medications and even of the counter drugs, they are tested for purity just to ensure Mm -hmm. that you are getting what it's labeled that it says. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about with that with ephedra because ephedra in and of itself was marketed and goodness, it was even marketed as a bronchodilator to help with, mm-hmm. with respiratory symptoms, which it probably does that. But unfortunately, the there are other drugs, or fortunately, there are other things that are better and that don't mm-hmm. have the side effects uh, as such. But then it would be laced into other types of products, whether it was a, mm-hmm. a like a weight loss product, mm-hmm. some type of stimulant type thing, uh, performance enhancer like uh, exercise, um, mm-hmm. and so sometimes you don't know exactly what you're getting as far as uh, what's in a particular product. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's think- another. Yeah, standard, standardization can be a useful tool, but that doesn't always um, ensure that you're getting what you're expecting. Is there are ways to get around that, you know, maybe uh, uh, some uh, manufacturer can standardize something that is in the bottle but is not actually what works uh, for you uh, as far as effect-wise what you're looking for. So you got to be careful of that as well. That's true. And so what were you going to add? Oh, I also think it's important just to remember that the term natural doesn't always mean safe. That's like, right. Like mm-hmm. you said earlier, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that play into making a supplement okay to take on mm-hmm. a daily basis. Yeah. And, and and like you said, too, just because even which I, I think it is the first step, though, uh, to make sure that at least you're getting even though it may not it may not be uh, efficacious because you can't claim you can't claim those kinds of things. Uh, you can say it may have some effects, but you can't say it's effective, say, like in reducing blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, like fish oil, we know in that if you get the right. EPA and DHA content, Mm -hmm. we know that that's efficacious in reducing triglycerides. However, you have to get a product that has in it what it says it has in it. And Mm -hmm. so you have to at least make sure you do have the product that you're wanting to get, which brings back your point, uh, Thomas, about does it have in it what it says it has in it? (laughs) And then is that is that individual thing, is that what you need to help, like the Senna, with the constipation, is is it the right product for what you're for, for the proposed purpose? Right. Yeah. Ultimately, I think there are three questions that 
someone can ask themselves before they pick the bottle off the shelf at their pharmacy, and that is, one, do you need it? Two, what are, what are the risks and the benefits of using this before I purchase it? And three, have I been able to talk to anyone? Have I been able to talk to my pharmacist about it or my doctor or you know, whoever your healthcare provider is? I think those are three important questions to always consider before you start a new medication and um, because you, you can really get all the information you need if you're able to answer all those questions. Um, fish oil is definitely appropriate. I'm glad you brought that up because that's really, I think that's been the number one seller over the past, a little over the past decade um, because it is regarded by evidence-based medicine being effective for things such as triglycer- lowering triglycerides. Um, but uh, that's, um, there's, <clears throat> that can be said for everything else. So uh, there are certain things that I think are, are good to, um, that are worth um, um, at least trialing. Um, but and, but I, I really hope that everyone who's able to listen has someone that can seek out, especially your neighborhood pharmacist, to um, um, advise you on the use of it before you start it. Yes, excellent point. So there's a lot of, like there are uh, some ongoing trials right now sponsored by the National Institutes of Health mm-hmm. that are looking at, say, particular supplements as far as effects on, on glucose levels. Um, there have been some of the, the fish oil trials that, that we can mention. There have been some, oh, I, I think we've talked about this before, or some of the dark chocolate, looking at dark <laughs> chocolate as a supplement. That's my favorite thing. Uh, so looking at some of these things and, it, you know, is there is there really, any benefit to them. So we uh, a good resource that I, I use a lot is the National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine. So it's mm-hmm. called, the abbreviation is NCAM, N-C-C-A-M, N-C-C-A-M, N-C-A-M. And it's actually at um, www.ncam.nih.gov. So that's a, that's a good resource to see what things are in in development and what things have been done, what things have been studied as far as mm-hmm. the benefits or even the potential risk of, of particular supplements. Mm-hmm. And um, to add on that, I was I was uh, googling around this weekend and I found a really neat little um, ebook that, that the NCAM puts out. It's called Herbs at a Glance. You can get on the website. Yes, mm-hmm. that might interest people. It's got pictures and interesting history about certain. Uh, um, uh, herbal supplements that you can read up on. Um, so that might that that's something else just to add on to when you go to that website. Yes, that's true. That's a, it's a good little resource. It sure is. So, well, uh, I think in saying all this for um, people to you know um, take it upon themselves to research herbal supplements, I think it's great to you know really get out there and um, see if it really will benefit you. At the same time, I would also encourage people to um, tell your doctor or pharmacist if you're interested in taking an herbal supplement because mm-hmm. um, interactions with other medications you may be on are also really important to think about. So, um, you know, I would say research it yourself, but before you take it, run it, run it by your doctor or run it by your pharmacist and ask them, you know, can I take this with other things that I'm already taking that have been prescribed or that you take over the counter regularly? Right, right. I totally agree. And Anna Blair, I know you looked into, uh, into the different groups that, that look at supplements as far as certification of, not that it's going to have any efficacy as such, but at least certification of the ingredients in a product. 
Right. Um, I did a little research into the label seals. So not, you know, a manufacturer, but a, um, a seal on the label of, a, you know, a bottle of an herbal supplement. One that everyone may know would be um, USP, which is the United States Pharmacopeia. There are others. There's NSF International, ConsumerLab.com, and then UL. Those are all things that you can look and see if they have a little stamp on the label. And that just lets you know that these products have been tested by someone other than just the company that makes them to um, try and prove that they are the product is safe, um, which means that it contains the amount of ingredient advertised um, because there have been instances where um, the product won't contain the number of milligrams or what of whatever it is it'll contain less of it than it says on the bottle so you're not getting as much of an effect as you think you are and then most of the labels also um the seals ensure that they're free of dangerous chemicals um over the years you know there's been instances of products containing different chemicals such as lead or mercury or just any mm-hmm. kind of microbes. So I think looking for a seal just to make sure that the product you're buying has been tested is also very important. Well, and and so sometimes too, uh, they may not even, you said, for instance, in the strength, but they may not have even have in it what it's labeled. Right. <laughs> I know we, we, uh, we had a case a few years ago of a patient who came in and had was having liver problems, and we associate, it was associated with taking something. It was a uh, exercise performance enhancing type formulation. That was what it was marketed as as an acai berry supplement. Well, because of the severity of the liver damage and what was going on with the patient, uh, we were going to publish this, and so we had it all ready to write up and everything. And then, and then we had it analyzed, and it turned out that. It didn't even have any acai berry in it, wow. so we had to change the title of the article. But it had it had it, it did not have any of that preparation in it at all. Mm, that's that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. really speaks to why you need to look for a label seal to show that it's been tested beyond what the law requires. You right. know, the law requires that these companies meet good manufacturing practices. Um, but that's just saying that they've used sanitary and well-controlled procedures to make the product. But these label seals are what really tell us, you know, it contain it does contain yes. what we say mm-hmm. it contains on the mm-hmm. bottle. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot more guidance and, uh, well, I'll, I'll call it regulations over supplements that there were in previous years, like prior to, mm-hmm. the, say, the 1990s. But still, it's not at the same level because these things are considered basically like food products mm-hmm. as far as the type of scrutiny that's put into them. So there are there are lots and lots and lots of things to think about with this. So today we're talking about supplements. We've got Dr. Thomas Webb from Virginia on the line with us, and we've been exploring some of these issues. So please give us a call. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments that you may have, one mpb ring uh, We'll be back with you right after this quick break.
MPB is your home for live election coverage. Listen on election night for results and analysis from Mississippi's election authority, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Next time, a special show, we welcome Jim James in to talk about his politically charged new album, Eternally Even, just in time for Election Day. And Talia Schlanger will be here to explore the issues consuming our country in song. It's an hour-long Election Eve special. I'm David Dye, Jim James, and more on the next World Cafe. Tonight at 10 on MPB Music Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Rudy, Healthy and Fit. So Anna Blair, Ansley, and I are sitting here talking about supplements, and we've so we've had some great questions today. We've been joined by Thomas Webb from Virginia, and exploring some of these issues. So we're going to talk about this a little bit further. But you know, um, it, those are very helpful hints that uh, that Anna Blair brought up, and some direction on how to tell people if you're recommended. So for example, riboflavin or feverfew or coenzyme Q10, which are all supplements that we do know that are probably effective in reducing migraines, reducing the frequency of migraines or the severity of migraine attacks. So you need to know how to tell someone or for the general consumer, how to pick up one of these products. So some of the things that we need to look for in how, once again, how to recommend those products. But let's go to one of our callers on the line first. Good morning, Robert. Yes, good morning. How are you today? Doing great. Thank good. you for taking my call. You're welcome. Thank you for holding. Uh, a quick question. Very, uh, in general, uh, they were speaking before about a uh, seal. Yes. Uh, maybe a seal of approval, a mm-hmm. seal of uh, authenticity on this uh, on these vitamins. How do you know uh, that the seal is? Uh, how do you recognize a, a good one? <laughs> or how do you recognize it hasn't been tampered with or is? Uh, oh, so by seal, it's just like a. It will say it on the bottle. Well, um, let's, let's, yeah, for tampering, okay. So, okay, so one thing, these are like safety seals on things. So that's one thing, like the seal on the bottle. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about, uh, so that's a seal that's covering the bottle to make sure it hasn't been opened and tampered with as such. Mm-hmm. But the seal we're talking about is is ensuring that the product that's in the bottle has not, is is what it says it is, et cetera, before it even comes into into the to the point of sale. To right. Somewhere. It's like a seal of approval. Yeah, a seal of approval. Yeah. What do they look like? Okay, great. Um, 
I don't know if it would always be really obvious on the bottle that you're when you pick it up, but um, it would you would want to look for it to say you know verified by USP. I know USP has a lot of commercials, and so if you watch TV, you've probably seen a commercial with USP, and um, it's like a yellow and green little square that you may see on the bottle. It looks kind of like a stamp. Right. Like a little stamp It's kind of like a little stamp mm-hmm. that you may see on the bottle. And it may look different for each manufacturer. Um, each one may put their seal on their bottle a different way. Um, but in general, I think USP is the most common mm-hmm. and most well-known um, label seal. And just some brands that they have verified are Nature Made, Kirkland Signature, and True Nature. So even if um, you can't find the seal on the bottle yourself, if you just, you know, get online and look around, you can probably find maybe on the USP website which brands they have verified for the product you're looking into really easily. Yeah. I know USP recommends all those three brands, so if you stick with those, you should be. For example, I was just looking at um, uh, a melatonin supplement that um, for my mother to start taking and working with her doctor, and, and melatonin and melatonin has shown some value, at least in animal models, with Parkinsonian uh Parkinsonian disruptions in sleep. And, of course, melatonin and levels and all declines would get older anyway. And so we were looking at that. And and so when I was talking to my pharmacist, and I, we were talking about ordering the melatonin, I said, now, look, i got to have a USP I gotta have a USP verified bottle of melatonin for my mama because, because for a couple of reasons. I want to make sure that my mother is getting melatonin. If it's that bottle and it says it's melatonin in it, that it's melatonin and it's it's melatonin. <laughs> now it's up to us to determine the dose and uh, whether we feel like that would be effective for her or not. But at least I know then that USP has certified that that product is melatonin and it's not something else. So that is the standardization of, of, of what's in that bottle. Is that a good way to explain it? Thomas, Ansley? And oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a great example um and even to add on everything y'all said which i agree with uh uh for for robert to be looking you know these kind of stamps you know the the manufacturers they want you to know so it shouldn't be too hard to find of course. I look around the bottle too much it should prominently be displayed somewhere on the front um i described uh by uh, annalise is that correct um so i i would just um be mindful of that but yeah that's that's a great example dr minor so for example if i was uh that would be like with melatonin would use as an uh just as a example of that and then i i do want to say something too because i i find there's the most confusion and i, and I noticed on this little handout that you had uh Thomas said, number one popularity as far as supplements is fish oil well fish oil is so interesting to me because i remember this has been Several years ago, several years ago, it was probably right about the time that American Heart Association came out with the recommendation of using fish oil for elevated triglycerides. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the dose that's recommended is um, two to four grams a day of EPA and DHA, which are two of the components of fish oil. And so there's more confusion, I think, about fish oil than anything else. And all you got to do is walk into a pharmacy and you're going to see, oh, literally hundreds of different 
strengths combinations there's the burpless there's this there's that etc official well i saw at this meeting where they had taken the top brands per purchase that were purchased Mm -hmm. official and they had run and this was back before so many people were looking for the usp certification those kinds of things and they ran an analysis of these to look to see if these top 12, I think it was 12 or 13, consumed purchased brands had in them what it said it had on the label. Like, I have a bottle of fish oil right in front of me right now. It says, burp, this is my husband's. <laughs> Nature made burpless fish oil, 1,200 milligrams. So they ran an analysis to see if these had what it said. Well, the reality of it was most of them did not. Mm-hmm. did not have in what it said as far as the content. Well, then, which makes it a little bit more complicated, well, this says 1,200 milligrams. Well, for him to get his triglycerides down, that means he would need about, well, 1,200 times, let's say, three, take three a day, right? You would think. Is that mm-hmm. true? Yes. Mm-hmm. That would true if you were thinking about it like that. But he doesn't need 1,200 milligrams of fish oil. He needs, he needs about 2 to 3 grams of EPA and right. DHA. So that means I've got to really put my glasses on and read on the <laughs> side of this bottle. And I've got to look at the fine print. And I've got to look at how much EPA and DHA are in this. And so actually one of these capsules only has 360 milligrams of EPA and DHA, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, so what does that tell me? Hmm, to get what he needs, he'd need to be whooping down about nine or ten of these a day, right? <laughs> right. To get that. So you really have to look at these, and, hmm, he shouldn't have bought this one. <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't get me to help him. Um, but you, you really have to look at those labels because you're not looking at the overall fish oil content. You're looking at the EPA and the DHA content in this mm-hmm. case. And so you're looking at that's where that recommendation comes. It's not just for the overt amount of fish oil. So certain products, I know the product I used to buy for my dog, which I guess we sh- I should buy for my husband, <laughs> uh, it, had, it had about 900 milligrams of the D, D, um EPA and DHA in it per about the 1,200 milligrams of fish oil. So my dog only had to take two capsules a day. Mm-hmm. So that's what he needs, isn't it? Because yeah. mm-hmm. he's not getting what he needs, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I guarantee he is not swallowing that many. <laughs> that's another really important thing to think about, though, because you get to the store and there are so many products. Oh, it's overwhelming. And they're it's all, overwhelming. They all say the same thing. You know, this is fish oil. Oh, yeah. But there's, you know, 10 oh. of them at least. So oh, it's, it's more important ten. to know how much of this product you need to have the effects that you're looking for. And that's another thing where you're going to have to do some research on your own or ask your pharmacist or doctor, you know, how much of this do I need and which one of these bottles should I buy? It's that's, overwhelming. That's, and that's, it's a lot harder to find that information. It's like, it's, I can, I can plug in Lipitor and I can find the dose of Lipitor pretty easily. And I can figure that out pretty easily. But now if I'm going to plug in riboflavin, mm-hmm. or if I'm just going to walk in somewhere and say, how much riboflavin do I need to take to help prevent my migraines? Mm. 
that's going to be a little bit harder because mm-hmm. these things can't be labeled. And I, I know just because I've looked into this a lot that that in placebo controlled double blind studies that approximately 400 milligrams of, of riboflavin daily is the dose that's needed for migraine prophylaxis and it doesn't start working immediately. I know those things, but just in general, most consumers would not know that. And mm-hmm. it would be really, really easy to either not get enough as an effective dose or take too much right, and it'd be right. extremely harmful. So mm-hmm. those things are, are, are much, much more complicated. And so it's very, uh, it, people have to really be wary of those kinds of things mm-hmm. when looking at supplements. So let's mm-hmm. go to Mikey online. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Oh, y'all always inspire me. I mean, you really do. Um, uh, listen, I, I, I recently read a report saying that the people of a certain age <laughs> um, would uh, benefit from eating not just one, but, but it had to be two tuna twice a week. As far as uh, uh, making a, cons- a significant um, decrease in hearing loss, age-related, he- age-related hearing loss, uh, I, it would work better if it was speech loss, too, I guess, huh? Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, I'm wondering what you think about that, and also if the things that you were just discussing as far as this supplementation, wouldn't it cover that, too? Well, now, just, wait. Two, did, two you two 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 no <laughs> did you say two, two tuna a week? Did you say two tuna? Oh, two, two cans. Right. So I was going to think, whoa, a tuna is a big fish. <laughs> no, I mean, they say, oh, two servings is what they oh, said. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I can easily. Well, okay, now, I have to be honest. So I have to get Ansley and Anna Blair to look this up. But I'm not I'm not real clear about the hearing loss. I, I, I will say, just because I recently did a presentation for our Mind Center on um, ways to promote mind health and, and foods and those kinds of things, that it, twice a week for tuna and that type of fish are what are necessary to help prevent brain loss <laughs> so so the hearing thing may i guess you're hearing in your head and in your brain so that kind of makes sense too so while they're looking well, that, that up so smart, and preventing right? that <laughs> 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 so so some something some sources will say once a week you know as long as it's a pretty good serving once a week uh, there's another it's called the mind diet the mediterranean dash intervention for neuro neurodegenerative uh, delay that has looked at at this too, and so it they recommend you know at least once a week for those for that fatty fish we'll call it, and uh, but twice a week twice a week is usually what you'll see once once or twice a week for for preventing the the cognitive decline associated with aging. Right. Great. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> so aging we're talking about looking at dietary patterns in those um, sixty and above. <laughs> Well, I didn't say I was 60. <laughs> well, I'm putting myself in that category. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't either. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm looking and I'm seeing that um, the mechanism by which they say that the tuna helps prevent hearing loss is due to the omega-3 fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think she was kind of getting at whether maybe fish oil could do the same thing and the fish oil supplements do contain the same omega three fatty acids, so I would say I would say yes. They yeah. were looking, yeah, I, I know. But you know, the thing is too that uh, some of the, which I'm, I honestly say I'm, I'm disappointed, but some of the fish oil studies that have come out more recently uh, have not been as favorable 
uh, as I would have hoped. Mm. So, so yes, we know fish oil, for example, lowers triglycerides, and we know some of the other benefits on uh, inflammation as such. But some of the things, like for example, and atrial fibrillation and all that, those things, those studies haven't been as favorable. So once again, most of the time, it's just like what well, I think our first caller talking about drinking down that that pure juice. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, supplements, supplements, no matter what it is, supplements as such don't do the same as just eating it in your diet. Right. right. Eating it in your diet. Those blueberries, those blueberries, probably the strongest evidence, just about anything we've got for preventing cognitive decline. So nuts, those kinds of things, taking the supplement isn't going to do the same as taking that in as a part of your diet. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Again, a call to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Thomas, you have anything to add to that? No, no I agree with all that. Uh, and that's a good example of, you know, just if something's starting to pick up traction in terms of um, uh, the, benef- the supposed benefits such as fish oil with cardiovascular outcomes, it's, it could very well turn into a, race to see what else it can help alleviate and that's true with everything else too not just fish oil so just to be wary of um uh, word of mouth of what something's going what effect something's going to have not not to rush too much and to rely on um, evidence-based medicine when it comes up (laughs) to help us uh, say whether or not it has an effect on that yeah yeah you know, we think fish is definitely brain food. And so we had a question, too, sent in through email. Uh, does B12 help with graying hair? Well, huh, I'm not sure about that. Okay. Anybody chime in on that? I'm not aware of I'm that. Not, I'm not. I'm not saying that's not right. It's, I'm reading that premature graying is linked to a um, B12 deficiency. So perhaps consuming more could help. Or if you have a deficiency and it's corrected, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 If you yeah, if you have okay. a deficiency. Okay. So B12 deficiency then. So mm-hmm. so most people get plenty of B12 in their diet. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there are people who who do have a B12 deficiency. So those people with correcting that, just like with other other types of things that B12 deficiency can be associated with, then you may see a change in that. But just increase B12. Of course, B12 is found in all kinds of foods and things. And mm-hmm. um, But just in general, supplementation B12 without a deficiency, is there any length with that? I wouldn't. I'm, I'm not seeing any. Okay. Okay. Good question, so. though. Good question. Hmm. So thank you for listening this week. We've been talking about supplements. I thank my guests. Thank you so much for your input and all the way from Virginia. Thank you, Dr. Webb, for calling in and joining us today. I hope you have beautiful, beautiful weather up there this week. Thank you. You as well. So this is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. We're funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and the generous support for the Foundation for Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. Please join us next Monday at 11 and stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio. Underwritten by Blue Cross.